Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hunt to the Sheet podcast. Tonight, I am in Colorado. We, I am joined by my buddy Denton D. Money. As everybody knows, he, he plays cleanup for me a lot. And then also, I got uh, Bruce Borowski and his wonderful wife, Lisa Borowski. Bruce is uh, one of the partners that runs Trophy Ridge Outfitters LLC out here in Colorado. And they they say just what the, the name sounds like. They tr- hunt trophy bulls, trophy mule deer, giant turkeys, man. It, it's an awesome outfit. And we had a really, really good time. I also sat down with one of their guides, Brandon. He came over and we chatted about hunting out west and uh, hunting you know, here for bulls and uh, elk. And I'm here on my first cow hunt. So I hope you enjoy it. We talk about a lot of topics um, around hunting and hunting in the West. So listen up and I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget about my sponsor, Walton's Inc. They are fantastic. They make some awesome stuff, equipment, spices, cures, everything you think of, grinder slicers. You know, we talk about that tonight in this episode. It's a great opportunity. Also, Clay Shooting Apparel out in Pennsylvania. Check out ClayShootingApparel.com. Jim and the crew over there are doing a fantastic job making some really, really cool hats and stuff. So make sure you check them out. Thank you and listen up. Welcome to this episode of the Hunt Fish Eat Podcast. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. So I'm sitting here in Colorado with my buddy Bruce. How you doing, Bruce? Doing great. Welcome. Good, good. Well, hey, we're going to go around to my right here real quick, introduce everybody, and then we can get started. That's All right. Work. So, Brandon, what's your first and last name? What do you do for a living? Uh, my name is Brandon Holter. I'm a Fort Collins, Colorado native. Um, I do exterior reconditioning on cars. So, I fix like paint chips, scratches, make them look back new, um, and then also help guide for uh, Bruce and... Yeah, just live the dream. You know, just because he pays you, you don't have to say nice things about him. Man, so <laughs> I live the dream about my own business. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. it wasn't that. Yeah. You keep getting the clients your own personal car. Like, yeah. Call me next year. Exactly. Okay. Lisa? I'm Lisa Borowski. Um, I'm an accountant, but I love to hunt. There, you, I like that. I like that. That's good. Okay. Bruce Root. got me hooked. There you go. In multiple ways. That's right. Yes. Got you as a wife and got mm-hmm. you up That's right. Did you hunt before Bruce? I did not. Nice. Well done, sir. Well, <laughs> <on many levels. laughs> yes, thank you. Thank a blessed you, man. I'm a blessed man. <laughs> yep. So, Bruce. So, yep, Bruce Borowski, um, outfitter, um, owner of uh, Trophy Ridge Outfitters here, LLC here in Colorado, and also regional director for the National Wild Turkey Federation. So, Gotcha. And then last but not least... Uh, this is D Money. Again, here with Daniel, uh, shooting clean up. Uh, he just brings me along to all his hunts to help him make sure he comes home with me. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to, man. I, I mean, I look good for the camera, you know, and someone's got to pull the trigger, really. So, uh, you know, when there's a delay between the bird dropping and uh, my gunshot, it's, it's Denton. It's Denton out there helping me out. So He's a retriever, huh? That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, no, no, we're here in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado at your wonderful house. Bruce, thanks for um, thanks for hosting us and doing this, man. Oh, so, love uh, having you guys. No, no, it, it's a blast, really, and enjoy being with you and hanging with you and and bringing you out to Colorado and uh, having you meet our friends and family. And it's an yeah. honor to have you. So you guys are a blast. Yeah. So I met you, Bruce, um, back in October of 2019. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. I came to Kansas to do the world record shoot. Um, I'm half in WTF. And That's right. Lisa came with you. And I was like, man, you guys are cool people. You know, we need to hang out more. And then you said you'd like to hunt. And so um, you have South COVID with me a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. And that, did. yeah that, that, that was a blast. And, uh, like I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll be getting together more. It's 
one thing about hunting, it brings great people together um, with a passion for the same thing, right? Yeah. It's really all about um, getting together and having fun and uh, putting food on the table and also yeah. introducing you to, to more great people. And, and just like Brandon here, is, uh, he's helped us, been a tremendous help to us, but also he, he's family now. He's really, you know, it's more than just, you know, having him work with us. It's truly, and to have him introduce and meet you guys, it's, yeah, a lot of hunters are this way, and I think hunters should get together more. I agree, man. You know, I, that's one thing I love about the hunting community is um, a lot of guys I meet hunting. It's like I'd be your buddy, you know, whether or not we were doing some business thing together or whatever. You meet so many like them, and you find out they hunt, and you're like ah, that, that's why I like you, you know. So no, but that's uh, that's absolutely true. So um, so Brandon, you work for Bruce, right? Yes, I do. So you do a little bit of guiding, and um, we, you came over tonight. You do a little bit of waterfowl hunting. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so what's your favorite thing to waterfowl hunt? What is my favorite species? Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, I'd say more than a little. Yeah, I'd say you got a yeah. slight addiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could quit anytime you want. To. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, well, I've re- I was raised up on can- uh, Canadian geese, and I have a passion for that. And but I know I love shooting ducks out of cornfields. That's probably mm-hmm. if I could switch full time, I'd go that route. But here in Colorado, it's hit and miss on the ducks. So I've been very blessed for shooting many, um, many ducks and getting on them. So, but a lot of back work is scouting and getting permission on land and paying your dues to get a good hunt and yep. getting the right people. Yeah, I think it's the same everywhere, man. You know, um, you know, didn't I hear out? out here right now we haven't hunted a lot in the west and so we're out here hunting cow elk tomorrow yep. um you know and the big reason to do that is and i've talked about this before is um i think you can learn more hunting in other states like outside your comfort zone than you can hunt in your own state all the time man you know it's i'd rather spend four or five days in another state hunting than 15 days in my own state man i just um learned of techniques different ways to hunt you know um i've hunted ducks 100% of water. You know, I've hunted some snow geese in, in fields and stuff, but pretty much always decoys in water. So, uh, you know, and I, I know guys in the Midwest hunt, you know, ducks and geese in wheat fields, but it's really mostly water. And it's like, you guys are not that way, really. Oh, it's completely opposite. Um, probably the last four years, I've been more focused on water. If, if that's a river, if that's a pond or a lake, um, it's totally different. Um, I enjoy it. But it's been a whole different ball game yeah. learning curve, and that's the one thing I love about hunting is just that passion and learning and continuing learning. And you think I'd have it down to the science, but I'm just get lucky every now and then. Yeah, but I think that's part of what I like about hunting is that it's not um, you can't master it, man. No, like you you can get a pretty good feel on things, you can get it figured out, you know. But at the end of the day, man, it's wild animals. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I think that's one thing that keeps me coming back. I remember the first time I killed a deer with a bow, I was like, yep, I'm doing this again because this was really hard, Yeah. you know, so, but um, that's awesome. So, Den, what do you think about duck hunting? You like duck hunting, man? I like to dabble from time to time. <laughs> no no pun intended. I was going to say, uh, Den hunts in Arkansas quite a bit, so. Yeah, um, big duck hunting in Arkansas. Um, not many flooded cornfields or dry cornfields at all. It's mostly <laughs> flooded river bottoms, hardwood timber. So hunting out west is definitely going to be a different mindset, but I'm excited to see what it's like. Um, so have you hunted much, uh, waterfowl much other places, Brandon? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. And 
I've actually hunted once up in Wyoming, and that's about it. Gotcha. But, so we were talking earlier tonight um, about how many decoys you guys set up for geese. Yeah, it's a it's a chore. We set up anywhere from I don't know twenty to one hundred and twenty dozen, depending on what we do and who comes out and who supplies the decoys. So we all have our fair share, and um, just depending on if it's a feed or if it's a pattern it's just hit and miss and i feel like nowadays the more decoys you have the better odds you have and which is unfortunate but that's how it goes and in northern colorado we have a lot of subdivisions going up and it's taking away our hunting land um it's it's a bummer but that's part of life so Mm. but yeah we uh we start if we hunt in the mornings we start early in the mornings and set it up to what we think and what we run and hopefully uh, get the birds to come, come down. Could come play a little Yeah, exactly. Hang out. So when you showed us a couple of videos earlier, man, um, you get a lot of birds coming in your decoys pretty well. At least the videos I saw, that may just because you hunt every day. Yep. Um, but a lot of time spent good calling. Just for you Southeastern <laughs> guys out there like me. Yes, he did say 20 to 120 dozen. We're used to hunting. <laughs> 20 to 120 decoys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well and that's in, that's a cornfield, but like on our specific pond we have, we, uh, it run anywhere, probably an average of like 40 dozen, um, between full body silos and floaters and shells. Um, we, we set it up and we try to hunt it hard and try to get their attention. I don't know. It's an investment. That's what. Yeah, that's what it true, is. man. The most trailer. expensive meat out there, dude. Like we were talking about, like nine hundred dollars a pound. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Out of all the costs, you don't want to add up all the costs. No, that's but and that's the thing. But out here, and, and our lease is the same. Um, the group of guys I hunt with, you know, we're running the same about a hundred dozen decoys. We got a seven man pit dug into a field, and uh, you know, we shoot you know mallards out of the field during the early season and and in the late season when when the ducks open, but. The geese are the same thing. When when they're around, you have to go big. Yep, if yep. you don't go big, and, and especially there's so many groups that are hunting in in the fields around you and stuff like that. So if you can get a right group of guys that are yep. super passionate, mm-hmm. uh, just like all of us are, right, that are passionate about it and willing to put that investment into it, it makes a big difference. It does. Uh, yep. I mean, when you're shooting a seven-man limit or, or seven-person limit, I should say, um, it, it's you know it pays off. Yeah, well, and be specific too. We're not talking about snow geese, you know, because like I said, no, yeah, we didn't hunt in the Midwest. We hunt, yeah, it's all dark geese out here. So, um, well, that was kind of funny. We're, you guys don't see a lot of snows out here or blues or anything like that. Not a whole lot. Snows are hit and miss, and it appears to be a lot more coming out in like eastern Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, can definitely get on them, and it's just about who you know. Yep. And hitting it at the right time. Mm-hmm. They're always migrating. Yep. Yeah, we get, um, you know, the only time I've seen the number of decoys that you guys use is snow goose hunt. You know, mm-hmm. five, 6,000 decoys is not uncommon, but yeah. those aren't usually full bodies. You know, we're, we're putting socks out. So, um, but it, it's the same game, man. You know, it's it's find them, get where they want to be, and put a couple thousand decoys out and hopefully come in, man. So, um, it, it's kind of cool the differences and similarities, you know, between all the animals. But. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to taking one dozen, maybe two dozen, if you're feeling brave. Yep. Hiking into the woods, leaning up against an oak tree and calling ducks through the branches of the trees with a dozen decoys. So this is 
Sometimes we do that for ducks here too. You never know. Yep. Sometimes we'll just get lazy or show up late and <laughs> we'll, we'll set up, works. We'll set up until it's like, oh, we better uh, get in the blind. The, the ducks are coming in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, day's about to break, man. Yeah. That's, that's good. So you guys mainly guide uh, Trophy Outfitters. Yep. Uh, you guys mainly guide for elk or everything? What do you elk, do? mule deer, turkey. Uh, we're getting into mountain lion hunts this year. Um, most of the big game stuff like that, all of our waterfall stuff we do as a passion. We don't, we don't outfit for it yet. Um, but it's, uh, sorry about that, but it, yeah, it's, it's mostly big game stuff we do right now. We're looking to expand into New Mexico, uh, next year. Uh, we'll be offering bear hunts and mountain lion hunts and, uh, and some trophy elk hunts down there and some of the trophy units. So gotcha. can you, you know. tell us? Where in Colorado, like where your unit and tell sure, us about that. Yeah. yeah, so we're out of Unit 20, which is on the front range. Um, borders up to uh, Rocky Mountain National Park up near Estes Park. So we got the migration hunt uh, coming out of the park, along with we had a great resident herd. Um, you know, with, with the age structure we have in our unit because it's managed for trophy elk. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives an opportunity when they only give out 25 rifle tags a season. Gives you an opportunity to to let that age structure kick in. Yes. So um, we got private land uh, leased, um, several ranches, and that makes a big difference. Uh, the public land is uh, we are licensed to guide on a public land, but most of our hunting is done on private due to the elk seem to hang on the private. They know over the years yep. that uh, where it's safe for them. So. Well, I think they. I think they also have Onyx maps. I <laughs> I, I have this theory, man. They know when opening day is. <laughs> they yeah. do. Rifle season. They, they know. Yeah. Season, man, so. No, they do. So we got we got a really good resident herd. Um, our turkey hunting is phenomenal. Um, Lisa can tell you about that the last couple of years. So um, we've had clients out, and, and uh, they do really well. Find a lot of sheds, elk and deer winter on our properties. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of shed hunting, too. We offer a turkey in the shed hunt. Um, and then now we've got a... Uh, a lease coming up on a lake for walleye fishing, so we may throw a bit a little bit of that in there too. There you go, so, there's you guys talking about fishing, trying to get a boat. Oh yeah, so yeah. Looking at fishing. looking at a lun boat. So um, we have friends that uh, we used one last year, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So man, you know, um, you know, I have a passion for turkey hunt. Well, I have a passion all hunt, but oh, I yeah. especially like turkeys. <laughs> and when me and Denton heard about a turkey hunt and walleye fishing, it was like a wink, wink up. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> well, you were invited last year. It yeah. just didn't, it didn't work, but uh, definitely this year. And then Denton and I were just talking, and that's one thing. I'll, I'll if I can get off on a side note. Right. So I met Denton when you invited me up to South Dakota. And he played cleanup for you as well. Yes, pretty pretty much. Yes, (laughs) I think he shot all the birds that. Yeah. uh, So eighteen or nineteen of them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that's okay. That's all right. So, but uh, when we started talking, and back in the late eighties, early nineties, I used to travel to Arkansas to duck hunt, and it was always right after New Year's, and uh, and it happens to be probably within miles of where he hunts. Yeah. yeah. So what a small world, right? I mean, it, so we started talking about it, and we're talking the White River, and yep. but the it, White it River, just Cash River, right there in Bottomlands. Yeah. So I mean, what a small world, though. When when you meet hunters that are passionate, and then you put it together, now we're sitting here next to each other, and and, and talking about future hunts already, yeah. and excited about it, and that's that's what this is about. It's about sharing those experiences with friends and family, and. Putting meat on the table, like tonight's dinner that yeah. Lisa made. 
I mean, that was fantastic. But you know, that was elk. Um, you know, elk that we got this year, and and that's that's what it's about. We can share yeah. that with friends, and so I have a quick question. So with elk. I, I don't know if it's the same. Like a lot of people say with whitetail, you, you take a young doe and it's going to taste a lot better than you take a you know four and a half, five and a half year old buck. Is that the same with elk? Like, is a, a young cow going to taste better? Is there any different? Can you tell the difference? Is that oh yes, yeah, you can definitely tell the difference. Mostly in the steaks, um, the burgers, you're not going to really taste much of a yeah. difference in, but the better quality cuts, um, you'll you'll definitely taste the difference. The cows will be a lot more tender yeah. than. And there's a lot of clients we get coming out and. Uh, and Franz, that's that's what they want. You know, they'd rather have a, a better tasting animal than, you know, everyone says, well, you can't eat the horns. And I agree. I've never chewed yeah. on them, but I sure do caress them. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's... This and is that's, a family podcast. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right, All right. But, but no, and, that, and that's the second year I went to Alaska moose hunting, the guy I went with is... You know, we went up there, and I'm looking for a trophy moose. And uh, he's like, nope. He's a rancher. And he's like, I'm going to shoot the first year-and-a-half-old bull that I see. You know, and that's yeah. – he wanted the meat. And we brought 700 and – no, 630 pounds of moose meat home. We brought his whole moose, and we brought part of mine because mine was the old yeah. – that's the one we saw in Shields today. Mm-hmm. But mine was that old one that, you know, we did, we kept it, but it, you could definitely taste the difference yeah. in, in the meat. Yep. And you have to know how to cook it. Yep. yep, good point there. And how you process it. I was going to say, I think how you handle it too. You know, I was, yeah. I was in West Virginia a couple weeks ago and I was a good buddy of mine, Larry Case. He just wrote an article about, mm-hmm. you know, why does your deer meat t- taste like a, car, a truck tire? Yeah. what it's mm-hmm. called. So, and, you know, and I, I obviously am a big of wild game and I process all my own game. And um, I see so many guys, they'll, you know, kill a deer or an elk or whatever and then they'll soak it in water for 10 days mm-hmm. and, or they'll shoot it, gut shoot it. Um, got it that night and let it hang there and it's yeah it's like you know if you take a steak uh, a buddy of mine Brandon Hayden you, know, you guys ate Brandon's oh, yeah. in South Dakota he's yeah. a chef and you know he was like okay so if you take the best steak in the world you know you go buy this beautiful you know Wagyu beef or something leave it in the back of your car 80 degree day for a couple hours you know run errands and then come <laughs> home throw on the counter let it sit there for a little longer it'll get dirty you know like it ain't gonna taste good nope. you know it's the same thing with wild game <laughs> yep, yep. you know um, and I'm sure you guys know about that being guides, you know, and, um, so yeah, we, uh, and, and we process our own when we have the time. Um, sometimes it's hard with clients coming in and stuff like that, but, uh, a couple different things there and I'll have Brandon talk about how we get them out of the field sometimes. And, uh, but my son-in-law, we got him on a catalog early this year and his first big game hunt. Mm-hmm. And he was more excited about, he processed it himself and filled his freezer and just that feeling of having good clean meat mm-hmm. and and you know what I mean be able to provide for his family and yes, he's like it's filled yeah. the freezer yeah and, something and, to be said about that right but the big thing was just like we do and you can talk about how we how we get them out but it's uh, it does make a difference how you care for that meat mm-hmm. and then Walton's um, can't talk enough about Walton's and their seasonings and the equipment, you know, the grinders and the yeah. bags and, and truly what a blessing to have them in, in the, the group as well. So. Yeah, no, you know, they're a big supporter of ours and um, I love the guys, man. You know, oh Austin, gosh, Walton, Austin and, yeah. you know, I went on their podcast and met them and I was like, I like this, these people, man. They're, yeah. they're hunters, they're outdoorsmen and they like to eat meat, you know, and they like to take care of meat. And, yep. 
you know, it's interesting talking to Austin, uh, you know, his family owns Walton's and mm-hmm. he goes, he's always literally when someone's like, Oh, taste my, my deer jerky. Cause he's like, man, I've tasted a lot yeah, of bad exactly. deer jerky yeah. over the years, you know, <laughs> owning a company like Walton's, he oh, goes, yeah. customers bring it in all the time and it's sometimes not very good. You know? yes. So yeah. I took them some wild pig ham I made from our buddy, Sean Roberts. Oh yeah. Down his place. Yeah. And, Shout out to Sean. Yeah. He's like, okay, um, I can eat, I can eat the, I can eat your wild game. So. Well, and, and the same, the, the yeah. marinade and, and what you use for, uh, the ham you brought up in South Dakota. Yep. And I and I seriously, so I'll, I want that recipe. But yeah. then, and I know you got it from Walton's there. But and I told Sean the same thing because I went down there, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, that's totally different. When you yep. take care of the meat and you prepare it right, yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah. That was the best wild pig I've ever had. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I brought some deer ham with me too. I'm out of the wild pig ham. Sorry, guys. Oh yeah. But okay. it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, I made the mistake, didn't point out um, that I. Brought out the wild pig ham and then first. the wild, yeah, first. <laughs> the, the wild deer ham is pretty good, but that wild pig ham is oh, yeah. like hands down one of the best hams I've ever had. So yep. um, I like that quite a bit. But yeah, and a uh, real quick point too, you know, to me, it's, I don't know if pride is the right word, but I you know to vibe for my family, you know, and to me, it's kind of like um, the American way, you know, do something for yourself. You know, you kill the animal, you clean it, you know, and then I cook it. And to me, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a full circle thing that I get a lot of personal satisfaction out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you guys are kind of the same way. Um, but it's, how do you guys get out of the field? Are we going to talk about? Yeah. Well, and it's just what you're go- uh, previously talking about. It's, you know, the whole journey of the hunt. And I think my biggest thing is the story and the memories and what do you get to see versus 90% of the people in the world don't ever get to see out in the wild. Yep. Um, I got a bunch of photos, experiences of good and bad, um, that it's always going to be with me. And I love that. Um, but anyways, um, getting them out of the field, um, we, it's totally different from what I'm used to. Like growing up, um, I've always done backcountry stuff. So backcountry stuff, we hike, I used to hike in seven miles and set up camp and, that was, that was a journey. Um, but yeah, so what we do now, um, very fortunate, very blessed for it is we, um, after the animals harvest, we, we got it. And then we are able to get a side by side back there and we bring the whole body out, the whole carcass. And then we were able to hang it. Um, sort of like what people do down South. Mm -hmm. Um, and that being said is like, you get a lot more meat. Um, I feel like the meat's more taken care of, um, cleaner, um, just all around better experience and better for you and whoever that meat is provided for. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a challenge. Um, we got a rough road. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's not easy. So for, for everyone thinking at all, oh, they drive a four by or two by two or whatever it is up to it. it it's not easy to get in. No, we, it's we a, got chainsaws. It's private property. So we're, we're, we're blessed there. Um, we do have some holes that if they do drop, and that's one thing that I'll always stress to our clients and, and Lisa can explain <laughs> this too, but a lot of people want that one shot, one kill. Yeah. But if an elk is in a area and even if that first shot is good, I'll I'll ask the clients to shoot them again yep. and, and and put it in the same spot. But you know, let's drop them right there yep. instead of having them go off into that hole. Yeah. Because if we can get something to it, we can bring it out whole with the hide on. We can skin it quickly, let it cool. But 
all that meat is clean. Yep. If it drops in that hole, we it's never we gotta, guaranteed. No, we got to go down in. We'll spread a tarp. We'll quarter it, pack it out. If we have to debone it, we'll debone it. So we do all that. But if we can get a, a machine up to it, where we can bring it out hole, hang it up yep. on a game pole, skin it right there, mm-hmm. let that meat cool down. You know, wrap it in a game bag. Next day, you know, whether we process it ourselves or for the client, if they want to process it, or some will debone it, some will process it, some will take it to a butcher. But whatever it is, but if we can take that animal whole to a butcher, they do get a lot more meat. Oh, it yeah. is clean, right? There's no dirt on it. There's no. Yep. And that's one thing the local butchers are appreciative of us. They're like, every time you bring in meat, man, it's in great shape. Yep. Yep. Well, that's that's another reason. So one reason I, I don't take my stuff to processors, and nothing against butchers, man. Like, huh? I. They have a hard job, and they a lot of people take their meat to, to processors. But um, and I'm not saying certain ones, but some of them, you know, you drop your deer off, and they give you back Just that amount of meat, it. yeah, and not your deer, you know. And the point I always make is like, man, I take a lot of pride in my shot placement and harvesting my deer yeah. very cleanly. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, I don't want you know Joe Blow's deer that he yep. let sit you know while he took a bunch of oh, pictures yeah. with mm-hmm. it, and you know, or some old ruddy buck, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, but. Uh, you know, that's when you do it yourself, you know everything, you know, yeah. and um, yeah. I'm pretty new to the, the processing side. I've been doing it for, I don't know, I'd say four years, five years now. Okay. Um, but it's just more satisfying yeah. and rewarding, and it's way better, I feel like, better tasting and all that. I'm not, it takes some to go get summer sausage, but because yeah. that's only yeah. because I don't know how to do that yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll exactly. yeah. I was gonna say, we'll, yeah, we got a catalog. So we'll teach that. you the way. It's just right. getting the right tools and knowing yeah. the right recipe. Yeah, no, and that's uh, you know, like I said, I I I'm processed my game since I started hunting, and a lot of this cost too. I mean, you know, I, I spent a lot of money on out of state tags, travel, sure. and it's like, man, if I can save a couple hundred bucks in the processing and makes my wife happier. You know, well, that's just, so for an elk. I mean, you're talking anywhere from four to five hundred dollars of processing elk, yeah. right? And that and so that's one thing, and I'll. Uh, a suggestion here if if people are traveling out west check the area if you are looking for a processor and and ask them those questions yeah and what we find is we've got a couple roy logan has one and if you're in this area definitely you know shout out to roy but it's just him and his wife and he is very adamant about what you bring in you get back and mm-hmm. and that's one reason we use them and we recommend them for our clients is yeah. You know, we work really hard, and it's not easy. It's not easy to bring that meat out whole. I mean, it, when you yeah. lift an elk up into the back of a machine, or uh, and sometimes it's breaking. Yeah, with some of yeah. our clients, it's just the two of us. It's not, you know, they're there to and, and this, I hold the yeah, antlers. Lisa helps. She'll, she'll <laughs> great job holding yeah. but she helps, and that's a big deal when you're talking a big elk, right? You're yeah. talking a three fifty class bull. Those antlers are are in the way, right? So it's not the head alone weighs a hundred pounds, right? Exactly. Yeah. So Dead weight, yeah. So when you when you're there, all of it helps. And Lisa's there on all the recoveries with us, and and but it makes a difference. So do that homework ahead of time. Yeah. Call out and and ask, hey, you know, if I bring in animals, if I bring in a deer or elk or antelope, whatever it might be, will I get my own meat back? And if when you get a smaller processor, mm-hmm. and there's times even us as many animals as we bring them, Roy's like, hey, I'm full. Yep. Because he, he, he can only do so much, but I'd rather have that than... I think that's what changed my mind is I wanted to make sure I got my meat back. Yeah. Yep. And also I had a bad experience is I took X amount of meat in and I walked away with half the weight. Yep. Yes. And I'm like, what happened to the meat? And they're like, oh, we had to trim a lot of stuff off. I'm like, no. I'm like, yep. that's a bunch of baloney. Yep. 
And it so, wasn't, you didn't order bologna. No, Literally. exactly. No, <laughs> order salami. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, you know, a buddy of mine asked me, he said, so if I drop off, you know, 50 pounds of boneless meat, how much should I get back in summer sausage? And I was like, more than 50 pounds. Yeah. You know, it's like they're, they're adding pork fat to it. They're adding, you know, yep. cheddar. And I'm like, I yeah. mean, you shouldn't get 100 pounds back, but I'm like, no, probably 70. Yeah, exactly. You should get more than 50 pounds back. You know, if they're telling, oh, well, we cooked it, you know, it shrunk. It's like, ah. Yeah. So it, but, it's, um, it, it's interesting, but that's one thing. Do, do that homework, you, you yeah. know, and, and for the people hunting the back country, we offer back country hunts too. And, uh, you know, we've got to pack it out this year. We're going to be turning a, a trailer, um, in, into a cooler. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a cooler on the ranch now. Cause really last year when, when Brandon helped get our archery bull out, I mean, what, we shot it at six at night and what time we get home? Five. Then we hung it at on the tractor. It was around 10 p.m., I want to say. Yeah. Or no, no. No, you called, was late. You I called you, you at 10 p.m. Yeah, called me at 10 I was, <laughs> So that, they, that's they the called me and I was, yeah. I was like, why is Chris calling me at 10 o'clock at night? And I'm like, I feel like it's sort of important. So I answered and he was like, can you uh, help us uh, pack out an elk? And I'm like. This is gonna go somewhere. <laughs> so, like, you break it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, all right. You know what goes around comes around. Yeah. That's a uh, yeah. It's a uh, very fortunate when someone harvests a, a bull elk too, and especially in a good class too. And so it's just building that memory. And I didn't get home till four forty-five, and the next morning I had to be at work. So it was yeah. a, it was a rough day, but I'm gonna have that memory for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'd much rather be tired from hunting. Um, and dragging into work, don't my boss your list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, then, then not, man. It's just, um, it was a fun night. It was a, it was a great night. And, and that's what it's about, right? But, but it was 70, was it 70? It was like, like 75, 70. Yeah. yeah. It was mid 70s. 70s at three in the morning while we're quartering us elk. And it, it's like, I was in you, you can't, yeah, you cannot leave it. And yeah. This is September, but you cannot leave it with the hide on. And it no. would have been easy. For us, and, and it's like, well, we'll just come back and, you know, we feel dressed and we'll just come back and get it in the morning. Well, that was the original plan. And right. then we got back, we're like, let's just get it yeah, done. It, yeah, there's no way. It's too too hot. And so we went back in and it, it took a while to get it on and uh, get it out. And But once we got it out and got it hung up and got it skinned, and we even thought then, well, we'll just leave it skinned. And that's when we checked the temperature and we're like, we can't leave this. Yeah. It's actually it, hotter up at the hunting cabin than it was down here in, in town. town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why this year we're going to make a, a refrigerator uh, cooler, I guess, out of a, a covered trailer, probably a 14-foot tandem axle. We're just going to make it where we can hang meat in there. And that way, the biggest thing, like I say, when, when people spend all the time and effort and money into this, we want to make sure that that meat is the best that we can – cheers. The cheers. best that we can uh, <laughs> that we can give yeah. them, right? I mean, we want to do everything we can. Or if Roy says, hey, I'm busy – yeah. I don't want to take it just someone to take it to them. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that, well, we can let it hang in our cooler. And we've got a couple friends mm-hmm. that have that in, in a shed in the backyard. Yep. And it's like, if we can have a mobile one, and that way when we come down to you guys, we can hang our ducks. Yep. And, uh, yep. Or turkeys or deer in Mississippi. Did you or... park that trailer out in Kansas City? There you, you go. Know, yeah, there there you go. There yeah. There you go. Right? Well, that's the thing, it. right? But then that's, yeah. so why not share it? Okay, so we'll get back to the episode in just a second, but I want to talk um, briefly about my sponsor, Walton's Inc. Um, like I said earlier in the at the beginning of the episode, they make a lot of cool stuff, make a lot of great stuff, everything but the meat. Um, they sell seasonings, cures, um, equipment, 
grinders, sous vide, you know, a lot of crazy stuff, um, dehydrators, slicers, everything. And what I love about Walton's is it's all quality equipment. So I can send my friends there and they buy good stuff and I know it's going to work. I know there's not going to be a problem with it. And um, I personally know I can take this stuff on trips with me. I can cook with it. I can do everything with it and I'm not going to have issues. And that's, that's a big deal to me. You know, if I'm going to buy a grinder or buy, you know, a slicer, I want to make sure it works and all Walton stuff is great. Also, um, you know, guys know I love to cook, obviously, and they kind of take a lot of the the hassle or the tough part out of um, spice mixes. They make a ton of spice mixes from you know jerky seasonings to, like I said, cures. You guys know how much I love hams. Um, they make a lot of good options. You know, baking cures. They make spice mixes for fajitas, everything. And what I love about it is you can just pop open that package, throw it in with the meat or whatever you're cooking, and you're good to go. Make sure you check out Walton's Inc. at waltonsinc.com. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, Walton's Inc. Make sure you check them out. Okay, let's get back to it. Well, that's, uh, you know, and I want to make a point too. I know a lot of guys talk about hanging their meat. Um, and one of my biggest pet peeves is... Like, well, if the temperature is good enough, I was hanging outside or under my deck or something. It's like, man, not a lot of people think about what the temperature should be, humidity control and all that. And like, and having a mobile cooler or having a, a room that you set aside to be a cooler with the proper, you know, like a, the right AC unit to get it cold enough. It's like, that's so critical. Yeah. You know, and it's, if, if it gets up to 50 or 60 degrees during the day, you're not really paying attention to that 30 at night. Like that's, your deer's not going to taste good, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think a lot of people forget that. Um, and so I, I'm all for hanging the deer, but you know, when I, when I don't have access to a cooler to hang my deer, I, I try to butcher it that day. Well, and a consistent day. temperature too. Correct. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a key. Yep. Yep. So and out here in Colorado, it can be 30 at night and 75 and daybreak. Yep. Or it's the opposite. Like this morning, it was, you know, single digits. It was six degrees. Yeah. Yep. So if you would have got one and hung it overnight, it'd be frozen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then, you know what I mean? So that's the thing. If we can have a quarter, we can plug it in mm-hmm. and maintain that. Like I say, it's better quality meat. Yep. And tonight when you ate that, um, Lisa cooked it, but it helps when you prepare it from the field and it's taken care of all the way through. Yep. Yeah, so. but that was cabbage rolls. Is that what you guys call it? Yes, it was. It's cabbage Polish. rolls. Polish. I can't say it. Polish right. rolls. It's the family. It's the Borowski family recipe. Gotcha. There you go. And I was asking Bruce earlier, do you call it, do you call them Brewskis or Borowskis when you're talking about beers, man? Uh, Brewskis. <laughs> okay. But I call it a Polish martini. You can ask uh, D, uh, D, D Money. D Money. Tell him about the Polish martini. That's a classy drink right there. That's right. You got to use natural light to make it. You splurged one for Bud Light tonight. I did. Yep. Spurge went for Bud Light and you put a little, some green olives in there. And actually, it, it, you know, and life's about stories, right? Yeah. So growing up, every year, uh, my dad would take our family up fishing for two weeks in Minnesota. And uh, the lake and the river we were on, there was a bar there. And obviously, we were kids. But their logo and, and fame up there was they had a bear holding a mug with some olives in the beer. And so ever since then, as I was a kid, I watched my dad drink a beer and he put a couple olives and it floats like a lava lamp. Mm-hmm. so it's it just something that but everyone even last night I met up or was it not yeah yesterday i met up with someone a good friend of mine and he sent me a picture last night of his beer glass with a couple olives he's like <laughs> hey it's good seeing you again today but it's just something that you know it carries on so if you like olives has a little salt to the beer eh, have a polish recipe for you that's right so, there you go people so, are going to do that and be like 
I heard this on a podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah. See? I don't know you, but I'm going to think about it. I was going to say, well, you know, I do have international listeners in Russia. So there you go. They see, hey, they may hear that, and there you go. Vorosky, yeah, are you Polish? Yeah, that, that is a little bit of <laughs> that Polish. Question did come <laughs> <up>. yeah, <laughs> that is Polish. So I think you said you're Native American. When, when, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you I go. Believe it, so. <laughs> right. Well, let, let's talk for a moment. So, you know, we talk about uh, processing costs, right? So, you yeah. said. Let's say um, a cow elk, right? So not huge, a couple hundred pounds of meat. Um, what's it going to cost for a processor on average? On average, I'd probably say close to – well, usually what we do is we'll we'll keep out the back straps and tenor lines and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll help the client cut those up and it, yep. it's nice. And But if not, if they don't have the time or something like that, then we'll we'll send it in. But you're probably talking about 400. So a bull elk's averaging – the last few big bulls that we took, they were averaging, oh, five, five and a quarter. So elk or cows probably, I'm guessing around four, something like that. I would say to to get that steaks burger, mm-hmm. not even getting sticks. Now, if you want to get sticks or summer or, or sausage, summer sausage that's where the cost really jumps. Yeah, up. well, so. and so that's kind of a point I'm going to bring up. Like you said, Walton's Inc. You oh know, yeah, Walton's is phenomenal. And, yeah. Um, you know, and before, so when I first started processing, I just had a knife and a vacuum sealer, and then. Mm-hmm. I had a knife and um, saran wrap and butcher paper. You know, that's, that's sure. how I started doing it. And um, I bought a used grinder and then um, I got linked up with Walton's. And, you know, what I try to tell people is like, so you're looking at, you know, let's say 500 bucks if you want to mm-hmm. get some steaks and roasts and sure. make some snacks and stuff. And if you can get a grinder, I get a grinder, you know, a knife, cutting board and like saran wrap and butcher paper, you can get really far. Oh, yeah. So just give you a quality grinder and like, you know, the one I have in Walton's is the number 22 grinder. That'll handle a couple hundred pounds of meat, no problem. And yep. they make smaller ones too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a couple hundred bucks. So, what horsepower is that? I can't. I think it's a, is that I think one, one horse, either one three horse quarter horse. or one horse. Yeah. So that, that's, and that's what I would recommend. I've yep. used half. And we, we've done, was it last year we did our elk? I think your elk. I think we did Lisa's yep. elk. And we used a half. A friend of ours had a half um, horsepower. And it worked, but we just had to do smaller portions, yep. and it takes a little longer. Yeah. So you can, if your budget isn't there, well, start with the half. Yeah. And then you, you can sell that, and then move up when you have the money. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I feel like the best thing for like processing your own meat is get your hunt buddies, and because oh. how many times a yeah. year do you actually yeah. use it? Yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, is like, and usually your buddies help you anyways. It's yeah. You know. Everybody pitch into for a nice grinder, yep. nice everything, yep. um, and it's going to last a lifetime or not a lifetime, but hopefully. But oh, yeah, as much you, as you or, yeah exactly, yeah. and the and you know everybody gets fair share of it. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. well, that's the thing, and that's what we used to do is when you when you do like just like when we got the elk out, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a team. So when we do that, usually we'll we'll butcher it, and you have friends over. You got the grill going or the smoker going. You know, you're throwing steaks on, yep. and you're cooking, and you have a few drinks and uh, Kool Aid, right? Kool Aid, a little bit of water, and uh, you know, it's this D money's there. Then we pull out the good stuff, like the Blanton's gold. Usually, when he's not here, it's like Bush Light and and water, and but Coors Light and Coors, Coors Light. Coors but and yeah, so when D money's here, we go all out with the Blanton's <laughs> gold. You got some Coors banquet That's right. All about the Yellow Jackets. That's right. But no, but no, but it is. You make a good point. You know, and like. Even if you splurge, like, you know, I have a, a grinder, a stuffer, a slicer, and a mixer. So mm-hmm. that's like the Cadillac stuff, right? Yeah. And so think if you have two or three of your buddies, you know, and like you said, you have a waterfowl lease. You got yep. four or five guys on the lease, man. You go, okay, everybody throwing 200 bucks. You can well, get if you it. think about what is that, probably six to 800 bucks in yep. like material 
of that and how much money is that well that's one bull elk that's one too. elk yeah, yeah. That's one elk yeah. and you get I don't know to say four guys you're splitting up that cost 200 bucks a person yeah. you know the, you spend a little bit on spices you know and oh. spice well stuff yeah like. but like just the, the yeah. grinder and everything so yeah spices and you yeah. can get what suet for free typically yeah you, you know, go to the butcher you, yeah. well that's the thing and that's what's fun though right you try some yeah. different spices and, mm-hmm. and that's the thing it's about relationships it's about spending time mm-hmm. Outside of the season, that and that's what's fun about waterfowl hunting. I love that. So for us, yeah. you know, if you're running and gunning for elk archery hunting, it's usually two people. Or if you got a client, or when we're bow hunting back in the Midwest for whitetails, you're sitting in a tree stand alone. Unless, like Lisa and I are blessed, we're able to spend a lot of time together in the woods. So we're we're sitting together. But when you get in a goose pit and you got a five or seven man pit, yep. And, and you're just talking, you're catching up. Everyone's sharing the stories about, hey, our archery season did this, or I'm my muzzleloader hunt, or whatever it might be. It's just, and then, you know, the ducks or geese are working, and, man, you're getting after it calling, and, and you're dropping them, and then next thing you know, you're BSing again. Yeah. And it's just, that that's what I love about waterfowl hunting, yeah. is you can catch up and talk, and, and there's still, when you have the right properties, there's a lot of excitement. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it kind of goes back to why we love hunting. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's the experience of hunting. It's, you know, chasing the animal, right? Um, but to me, it's the fellowship, you know, with your buddies doing that when you guys are all chasing the animals together. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, um, it's super cool. And, you know, we'll talk to Lisa a little more tomorrow night because you're a new hunter. I'm a new hunter. A new hunter at all this. So, and my wife started hunting this yeah. season. So I've gotten that's to experience awesome. that a little See? bit. Yeah. Yeah. She explained to me that, um, in the heat of the moment, when I say, hey, shoot that bird, that can kind of sound a little aggressive. So I've had to tone myself down a little bit, myself down a little bit. But, uh, Sweetheart, can you shoot that? Well, <laughs> right. it was a group of women. She's like, "Hey, uh, hey, babe, you might want to not yell, shoot that bird, or uh, why don't you kill that? It would not be a good thing to say." So I tone myself down a little bit. But uh, Bruce gets a little excited too. No. So yeah. So when we were whitetail hunting. Um, I was ready to take my shot, and I could. Oh, I, I just saw this he video. was like shaking next to me. Yeah, hundred percent. We've all been. We feel like we're more excited to take someone out, right? And I've taken mm-hmm. so many clients, and I've hunted so much, and and he's videoing, and, and oh. but I'm videoing this opportunity, and she's like, "You're shaking," and I'm like, <laughs> "And I wasn't even hunting, but I was so excited." But yet he for tells her. me, "Breathe." And I'm telling breathe. her to breathe and work on her. Exactly. She was calm as could be. And man, yeah. my heart's racing. She's like, I can hear that, you know? And I'm like, I see it. But yeah, so that, but to me, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. If you can share that. And, and yeah, I need to, uh, but with clients, it, it, it's the same thing, right? It's it just when we get excited and, um, yep. you know, you got to be able to judge them and, and, and tell them. You know whether it's a mature animal or not, and and I think as a team we're really good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, the team we put together, um, and, and it's a lot of fun. Well, and it's just you just said like the hunting season. It's really year round if you think about it. Oh, for us yep. it is. Yeah. It is, and it's just it's a scouting. It's watching the animal progress, where the herd is going, how they're acting, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's really never ending. Yep. You, I typically always said like, okay. It's going to be from August to, I don't know. August. Mar- yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, let's uh, be real. Yeah. Let's be real. But honestly, it's year round, you know, set up cameras, yeah. seeing where they're at, what kind of animals are going to be producing, what animals got taken. Yeah. Um, the sheds. You yeah, saw the, the sheds. pile of sheds. And, and garage, that's, right? I mean, that's, that's a huge passion, a passion of mine. And honestly, I absolutely hate hiking. And... 
But if I can go out and like shed hunt or hike for a purpose, not yeah. on like on a trail, but more trailblazing, but I find more enjoyment and, you know, the amount of stuff I find too, like old time, like pop cans or something like that, or yeah. old like cabins. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what's the history? Yeah. And my theory is, uh, and I promise on this is, you know, if you see a pop can or any type of trash, you always pick it up and that brings good luck. Huh? Just you know, it pays off for it, us. It does pay balloon. off. Balloon, yeah. Balloon. That's right. Tell them about the story. Oh yeah, the the elusive balloons. You know, kid's birthday or whatever, or you rock. Just celebrate, like celebrating balloons or something like that. But on our last uh, bull elk hunt, we uh, a guy from New Jersey, um, he he harvested a nice six by six, and he. I was sitting, we call it the rim or whatever, and I was glassing and looking at, watching the whole thing, and I got it all on film. But on the he shot, he just shot the bull, and I was hiking down, and I was I was more thrilled up on just watching it. I was not even there, and I was screaming and all that stuff. I was just pumped. But walking down, I looked down and saw a balloon. Of course, you know, kid's birthday party, and they float away and mm-hmm. go wherever. But it said, "You rock," and I grabbed it and you know I gave I gave that to him. I was like, "Hey, you gotta when you get your bull mounted, you gotta have this like next to it, like you rock and like it's just a story." Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's just crazy. Cool. Oh, cool. Life's about story. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the thing. And he was super appreciative. Mm-hmm. You know, so not only his brain, it was, so, it was, it was garbage. It was garbage, right? He was thinking, it's right? just a story. A with you, he's like, "How, how did you blow this no, up? No, it's Why just floating. You know, yeah, just how how things like pan out. Yeah, the story." No, that, that's super cool. You know, there's um, there's a property to hunt Missouri, and I found um, there's kind of a draw running through with some timber. It's a great place for dude to move. And yeah. I was just kind of first season of hunting. I was kind of knocking around, you know, one afternoon looking for stuff. And I'm up on this this ridge, kind of looking down. And I sit down and look over to my left, about three feet away. There's an old folding chair, like probably 34 years old, yeah. and a can of Schlitz. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like. I'm right. not the first person that's done this right that's here. You know, like, so for you young guys, Schlitz was a beer. That's okay. what I, I had to Google it, right? You know? So yeah, I had to Google it. But seriously, on the Schlitz cans, they had all the outdoor, not all, but a lot of the outdoor scenes. They had fishing, they had hunting, mm. they had, and it was great. I collected them as a kid. Do you still have that can? It's still sitting by the chair. I, I felt like I just couldn't move. Yeah, there you go. It's meant to be right there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the coolest thing that I've ever found, um, I was actually antelope hunting up in Wyoming, and... You know, just spur of the moment, I looked down, and it was an arrowhead. Oh. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, this is probably the coolest find I've ever found. And I found a lot of cool things, cool yeah. sheds and all that stuff. But just the history behind it, it's just amazing what, cool. yeah. Well, and I think about, like, um, you know, so, like, my dad hunted a little bit when he was a kid. And he squirrel hunted down the southeast. and But his dad was a big hunter. You know, and some family members on my mom's side were big hunters. And, um, like, one thing that's cool to me is I got to hunt quail down in Georgia, southwest Georgia on plantation. Like, that's something my grandfather did. And I've hunted pigs down southeast, something my grandfather did. Um, he actually has a great story about it being a backup gun for a hog hunt. They uh, The client shot it, started charging him, and he shot it three times with buckshot, and it kept running. So he pulled his forty five and shot it twice, and it died. Yeah. <laughs> it tipped over. So I, I carry forty five because of that. I carry 10 over, too. But, um no, and so it's kind of the same thing, man. You think about the generations before us you know, have hunted, and, like, you look at that arrowhead, and you're thinking some dude 200 years ago, 300 years ago, just like us, right? Just passionate about hunting. He probably wanted to eat. That's probably a big passion of his. Um, but, you know, he handmade that. 
you know, oh, and, yeah. and killed something with it. And like, I don't know, like we complain about bow hunting with compound bows now. Imagine freaking using a handmade arrow. Exactly. Like, Shoots what? 30 feet per second. <laughs> I don't even know, but <laughs> the outlaw yeah. was a big technological invention for him. So, but that is one thing though. So I, I used to shoot competitive archery back in the day and it got to the point where it was work. Yep. And it took a lot of the fun out of it. Yeah. And, uh, I really, I developed target panic and it's all mental. And so I put my compound down and, and actually had, uh, come out to Colorado and had a custom recurve made from David Chastain. Wapiti mm-hmm. was the recurve. Yep. And, uh, and then with the recurve, it brought so much fun back into shooting for me. We were, we got to the point where we practiced so much, we were able to shoot clay pigeons out of a thrower. That's cool. So, and, and I mean, I can do that too with a shotgun. <laughs> well, I didn't, you know, I, I was hoping D money would back me up on that. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, like I said, it brought so much fun back into shooting. Yeah. So there's sometimes where we put that pressure on ourselves to be so good. Yeah. And, and it took that, you know, it turned into work. And I'm like, I'm not doing this for work. It, it, yep. you know, we work as it is. That and, happens to everybody so much. Right. But just go back to the basics. And until, you know, I shot some really nice white tails with my recurve. I shot a couple elk with it. And then I had a real nice 320 bull walk about 40 yards. And <sighs> and I'm like, oh, if I had my compound, I could have. <laughs> so that, you know, next year I went back to my recurve my compound. and But it was so much fun to go back to the basics. So sometimes mm-hmm. that. You know, we had yeah. the cedar arrows and mm-hmm. and and all that, and uh, it's more challenging. Oh, 100%. a lot more challenging, right? And that's why that's like what said, life is about is all the challenges. That's yeah. like, well, if you think about twenty twenty, oh, it's been a challenge for everyone in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just you know being appreciative of what do you have, and you know, it's actually taking a step back sometimes and. Yeah. really just going to the basics and starting over. Yeah. And I, so. I thought your post the other day was really heartfelt and genuine. And yeah. So you have to yes. follow Brandon. Have to you have to follow Brandon. But it was something that was, it was well said and, and definitely was some thought behind it. It was really one of the things that I thought about it. I thought so. about it for about, <laughs> honestly, for probably a week or two. No, it was um, really good. Of how I wanted to say it and whatever, but it's just this year has been extra hard for a lot of personal reasons of what I've gone through. And, um, last December I bought a house and then I bought my business out, uh, February 1st. And then the pandemic Mm -hmm. happened and I've continued to work, but you know, I, my, my pay went extremely down, but my expenses went up Mm -hmm. and it was an eye opener. And, um, through like some personal stuff, it was really more challenging. Um, and I let myself go a little bit, but you know, that's just about like mental toughness and, you know, you keeping your head straight and your faith high and mm-hmm. really putting for me, putting God first and putting like just trusting God mm-hmm. and it's, it's pulling through and it's looking good. And, you know, 2021 is, going to be a fantastic year and you know i, I think everybody's on board with that one. well that, well yeah <laughs> but honestly i'm so thankful for all the hard times yep because that defines a person it does you know and i i, I you and i were talking before we started recording you know i like outliers i like high achievers you know like um we talk about andy frisella 75 yep. hard and 75 that stuff hard. um talking about uh jocko willing and just stretching yourself a little bit and you know one thing that i've noticed is like winners win right yeah so what I mean by that is no matter what's going on, no matter what industry they're in, people that have that mentality, and I'm not talking about cutthroat people, but 
they'll find a way to excel, right? Well, the you thing know? is, you know, my biggest thing, what I tell myself and what I tell others is like, you got to keep your promises and yep. you know, deep down inside when you're lying or if you're cheating yourself, um, yep. And that's just following through and saying discipline. If you're saying you're going to get up at five, you don't get up at five, you get up at 445. Mm -hmm. That's like my theory. Um, if you show up on time, you're late. If you show up 15 minutes, you're on time. Yep. And, you know, it's just staying disciplined and, and we're all human. We're all going to, I don't know. Have failure. Failure. And, you know, failure can make or break it, but... <laughs> Failure is designed to teach you a lesson. Yeah. It's failure to me. Failure is nothing. Yeah. It's just more of a learning curve. Yep. Uh, it's opportunities, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yep. That's rule number seventy-six. No excuses. Play like a champion. Yeah, that's right. 100%. There you go. Can't first, you last. Yeah. You know? There you go. That's right. But well, hey, just let's... ask what's that guy's name? Brandon Wilmoth. What was oh, that? Man, not employee of the year. Not employee of the year. <laughs> right. Oh, we can't rag on him too much. He's not here to. I know, but you know, if you saw our text string going, gotcha. here, you'd, you'd player of the year. Side, side note to, to everyone listening to the podcast right now, we got a little bit of group text going from the guys from from, from South, South Dakota. Dakota, and I haven't been looking at my phone, but I've been feeling it buzzing every two. <laughs> I'm seconds, so thankful so. I'm not a part of that text. Yeah. Not, yet, <laughs> not yet, not yet. Maybe yeah. next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. Next that's year. right. But see, yeah. that's what that's what friendship is about. So we go yeah. up to South Dakota, and and for myself, I, I knew you and Brandon. Yep. Yeah. But then I meet a whole new group of people that, and now we're in a group text and it's been going on. Yeah. I don't know when to, I don't even remember when we got a few weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe right Thanksgiving. So right. So a month ago, yeah, over right. a month ago. Yeah. Right. But it's, um, it, it, now there, there's friendships and everyone, and everyone mm -hmm. from the East coast to the, for us here in the West. But yep. and now we're talking about maybe a trip down to Arkansas and, and mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's growing. Is it Arkansas or Arkansas? D-Money's like, what? D-Money's yeah. like, you're doing like, what? <laughs> Who are you going to see down there? He's like, like, hey, hey don't tell me. Yeah, exactly. He's like, wait, who's in my pit this morning? He, he said we can sleep in his apartment, man. So he's got some I'll sleep in the pit. It's available. <laughs> I know what that duck hunting's like down there. I'll sleep in the pit. Dude, <laughs> just be glad we're not on public land. you got to take the boat out there you at 2 o'clock and sleep in the boat to hold yeah. the hole for somebody. Yeah. Hey, there's some place out here in Colorado. That are like that. Yeah, I got to show up at one or two o'clock in the morning to yeah. get a spot, and you know you're competing one little pond. Yeah, there's four, huh? Go ahead. Oh, there's four other hunters, yeah. and you know you get a group of ducks working, and they're oh, circling man. that whole lake, and then all of a sudden you got skybusters. Oh, it's like, what the heck? Yeah. And that's like one thing <clears throat> I've been passionate about. Like you don't skybust. I for goose hunting or any type of waterfowl, I'd rather have them back flapping, yep. feet, feet down. down. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, but also, go ahead. Oh, also, a lot of people don't have that opportunity or yep. can't afford that. Um, is progressing it, taking it to the next yeah. level. Well, and like I was, I was talking to Ben the other day, I think right before we came to the trip, I had a buddy that he had duck hunting, kind of figured out by himself in public land in Kansas, and yeah, there's some opportunities to hunt there, but there's not a ton. Yeah. And so I, I take him down. A buddy of mine's blind. Just we're shooting ducks 20 yards, nothing further, you know, mm -hmm. sitting in the decoys. He's shooting a three and a half inch BBs. At the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah. what are you Sky doing, busting. man? I'm like, whoa. And, and I realized that the closest he's ever shot ducks is like 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy, no wonder, man. But. Well, I've been there. If you, if you look at some of the, the shells I still have, that's that's when I was younger. That's what we did. Yeah. We didn't know any better, right? We yeah. laid in a, and that's what I was telling you. We've come a long way. We used to lay in a cornfield 
And when I was younger, we couldn't afford layout blinds. Or, <laughs> right. So we'd cover ourselves up with corn yeah. and, and sit out there. And so what I, I – No, ahead. you're good. Um, yeah. I don't even use layout blinds anymore. I'm like no. against them. Um, my favorite type of hunt is laying out in a cornfield. Well, I, not favorite because I'd rather be in my pit cooking breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Whole nother, yeah. But, you know, when we were hunting corn um, – we had these like ghillie blankets, um, mm-hmm. but we just lay out in the dirt and cover it up and throw some stalks on top of us. But you have that low profile, and yeah. honestly, it is the best best time. Yeah. Um, even if, if it's that like, cold out, but really that low profile helps you, especially if you're running five plus guys. Yeah, I've always wanted to try that hunting in a dry field. I want to. I want to try that in Arkansas hunting. You might get lucky this week. Well, hopefully we'll get you out. We made some phone calls. We'll get you out to the lease there, hopefully. And uh, but that's the thing. If uh, if we can do it, it, but now in the pits is totally different. Oh, right? it's I mean, different, man. But you, when you talk about snow goose hunting, so D money, tell tell me a little about that because that's something that's on my bucket list uh, to yeah. get out. So tell me what that's like. So it's just been in the past twenty years or so the the migration patterns of the the lesser snow geese so your your snow geese your ross's geese and your uh, blue geese um the migration patterns have changed such that now basically they're coming there the where the central and the mississippi flyways converge in arkansas they're all just piling into this you know quarter of the state where there's there's cut bean fields and dry rice fields where you'll have ten thousand geese in a field and they'll stay all winter and when they eat all that field out they just move to the next field and mow it down again and just like they're causing habitat destruction in the arctic circle like you know we're sure. overbreeding and that stuff like that they're doing the same thing with our duck habitat in arkansas they're just wiping a field clean yep move the next wow. one that's why conservation is so important yeah people so, yeah, a lot of people don't understand about like just management of animals yep and that's why we've got in our uh, it may be the same way here i don't know but Starting the day after duck season, uh, you take your plugs out, you put your magazine tube extension on, you bring your electric collars, yep. and there's no limit, no shell limit, nothing. So you just wow. sit out there all day and shoot yeah. as many as you can. Hmm. So you I, we have I get the plug, but you're talking a magazine extension? So I, I have a CZ712 with a 13-round magazine extension on it. We so have a conservation season for snow geese. Yeah. How do we get one of those? Yeah, got to know a guy, man. You got to know a guy? Okay, no. Denton, can you maybe help with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D-Money. Yeah, no, D-Money. Uh, D-Money. it holds 13 rounds of three-inch. Serious? Shells, yeah, 13 rounds. Can you imagine? It, I've emptied it twice in a blind, but it's, I don't often empty it. But well, no, 13 yeah. rounds, but that's got to be, that's almost like Argentina. Yep. Yeah. I would think, right? Well, I mean, it's, there's no limit. I mean, you guys seen the pictures of piles, sure, you know, right, yeah. 100 bird days. And things right, like a couple that. hundred I mean, birds and stuff like that. So, have you ever been snow goose something, Brandon? Uh, not technically. No? Not like on a I mean, yeah, when, when we're out here. <laughs> not on a specific we'll see uh, we'll see snow goose hunt. So, that's on my bucket list and a spec hunt. And, yeah. Um, so, a lot of what we'll do is we'll go duck hunting in the morning. So, go to the river bottoms, run the flood of timber, get our limits of ducks, and then the drive back from the duck fields to, back to town, you're driving through a bunch of bean and rice fields, and you just watch the horizons on either side of you on the way back and you'll see it looks like a, a forest fire wow. it'll just like smoke scattered across the sky and so you just oh well we're gonna turn down this road and you go <laughs> follow follow the smoke the clouds 
to find the tornado hey, geese. I was saying by smoke, you're talking about clouds of snow geese. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, yeah, it's 10,000 10, birds in a field. Yeah. And above the field. And so you'll just, you'll follow the, the clouds of snow geese from one field and you'll go set up in the next field where they're starting to tumble in. And yeah, I mean, so that's crazy. Where you are, man. So like us on, on the front range here in Colorado, we'll limit in, in dark geese, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's nothing, you know, so we have a seven man pit. We'll, we'll limit by eight 30. And then, then we're waiting to get our mallard limit, or yeah. right. I mean, yeah, that's, bonus so we, yeah, bonus dog, or you're, I mean, we're talking dark geese, yeah. right? But then, so it's like, okay, well, that's over. And then now it's yeah. like, how do we get the? You know, I will wait and get the ducks, or we'll work the ducks, or something like that. So for you guys, it's totally different. You, you get your limit on ducks, and that's one thing about traveling. Mm-hmm. So if you get an opportunity to try some of these other places, um, it. it it, it's so different than what we're used yeah. to, right? Well, and, and one thing I think is cool is so I, I hunt pretty much solid from like August. Den and I were in South Carolina, August 15th, hunting deer through the end of May, right? And yeah. sometimes into June if I'm you hunting somewhere else. But um, there's a gap between like mid to end of January to mm-hmm. mid March, right? There's about a month and a half where there's not much going on. But snow geese. You know, you can go down and hunt snow geese and then into March and you're hunting snow geese as they move up and you can chase them into the Dakotas before turkey season starts. Sure. And so it's to me, and like it says, there's no limit on them. And um, I have some really good recipes besides just snack sticks. But, <laughs> oh, there you um, go. <laughs> I sous vide them. It's like, it, actually, I stole the recipe from Danielle Prude. If anyone knows Danielle, she's awesome. And um, it's steakhouse goose, man. And I, I made oh. it for my parents. And, and I say that they're not big wild game eaters. And they're like, can we have that again? You know, oh. so I think it was definitely a win when I made it. Um, but, dude, it's – um. I like it, man. It's just something you can do for have a little fun before uh, turkey season kicks off. You know? Well, I think what we'll do is uh, we're working on uh, offering mountain lion hunts. And, okay. Uh, with the outfitter we're teaming up with in New Mexico, they took a real nice tom today. Um, the auction winner for NWTF we offered to one of his hunts last year, and the auction winner won that. Um, and he took a real nice tom today, so that's something that's we'll awesome. have to get you guys down. I think we'll get with Andrew. And uh, we'll go down and chase some mountain lions down Dude, in I like Mexico. That. Yeah. I like that. That's on my bucket list. Right? Is it? See, there you go. That's what, you know, it's all about sharing. Are they running with dogs down there? Yep, they run okay. with dogs down there. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to hunt a mountain lion. I just want it to be me and him. There you go. <laughs> I, want to, I want to clarify. There, there you go. go. Right on ahead. You and the rocks like Colorado River today. You know what? Or this I, can, I can make that happen. Did you hear about that story? I heard about this one in Texas last week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. It was a guy, like, running on a trail. And uh, oh, he got yeah. yeah four this, uh, he was well. This was I think a different one, but he There's a few this year. He I don't know. The mountain lion was on the trail stalking him, and yeah. then like was coming after him, and he was walking back and all that stuff, and um, finally scared the cat off by throwing a rock at him, but followed him for I think a solid like mile, yeah. and then like the Fort Collins guy, he actually killed the cat. Yeah, um, the cat attacked him, and he grabbed a big old rock, and you know went to war. Well, I, he's fortunate enough to. Yeah. It wasn't a big tom, but well, you I know, was that's, say, okay. still cat. So that story, the runner that you this attack cat attacks Fort Collins, yeah, yep. doesn't have a knife, doesn't have a gun, and yeah. he kills he kills the cat with a rock, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's he and, choked and it out. A lot of the stories I read about that was well, it wasn't a fully grown cat. Okay, it doesn't it's matter. Sixty pound mountain lion. <laughs> Is fighting you? That, that's a legit fight. Like, yeah, that's nothing. That's not a fight. I'd rather go no, against no, Mike no, Tyson no. or something. No, that's why I carry a gun. You know, yeah. I, mean, I do. That's 
that's awesome. That, that guy's pretty legit. Yeah, so. carry gun, pepper spray, or anything. You know, it's mm-hmm. just bear spray. It's just better. People's elbow. Yeah, exactly. Money. You know, my theory is that you just got to trip the person next to you and you're Bruce always tells me I need to walk in front because that one that cat's going to get the person in the back, back yeah. but, but no like even well, yeah, he walk. tries to protect me there mm-hmm. well but this yeah, year we were up glassing one night and um, there's tracks in the snow and he's like get back get back and I'm oblivious to it because I didn't see the tracks but I know going around that little at the rim there's yeah. a little like cave there so Bruce was afraid that that cat might be hanging out in there. I was watching. Fortunately, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, the tracks went right, I mean, right to the yeah. rim, and it went mm-hmm. into this hole. Yep. And and I didn't realize there was a backside where it could get out, and it got out and climbed up over. We finally tracked mm-hmm. it. But I'm like, man, that, so that's one thing. Be aware of your surroundings when yeah. you're out hiking, right? I mean, that's – and actually, Mr. Kenny, the guy that called mm-hmm. today, so a good friend of ours, he was telling us the story just – a couple of days ago, we we met up with him and uh, yeah. for Christmas, and he told me about a story. He was elk hunting. He's he's tracking. There was another set of human tracks there, so he's he's tracking. You know, he's walking in the same area, and then he sees a mountain lion track, like on top of the human track. Yeah. So he's like, "Well, that's interesting." So he he keeps following, and a mountain lion was like right on top of the human tracks, and then he says the mountain lion kind of went off to the right into this brush. So he followed the mountain lion track, and he could see where. The mountain lion yeah. um, went down on all fours and see where its chest was on the ground and where his tail oh, so was weight stalking. Yeah. So it was like yeah. stalking the human. Yeah. Yeah. And so then Kenny's like, "Oh man, now you know he's almost afraid to see what he's going to find." Yeah, going ahead. So he kept tracking, and then finally the human turned around and, and started coming back and ended up spooking the cat. Mm. But you never know, and that's one thing at the yeah. Denver Zoo. They had an exhibit there where the mountain lions were, and they had a picture of a family outside, and where the family's taking a, a, a picture, it'd be like a father taking a picture of the wife and kids, and in the background, you can see a mountain lion. I've seen that picture. Yeah. That is eerie. That was very yeah. eerie. Yeah. You know, so one thing, just be aware of your surroundings yeah. when you're out there, no matter where you were. Always bring a, a headlamp. Uh, last time I was at the rim, <laughs> I was hiking in. I'll get hiking you guys out, up to Yeah, hiking out yeah. at night, and it's always like Kitty Central up there, and... Um, Luckily, like nowadays with the iPhones, you got a good flashlight off off that. Yeah. But walking out of there, and I, I, have, I always carry my forty five, but it's always like I wish I had a light. Yep. Yeah, always looking for those reflections, man. Hopefully, we'll, so that, uh, that's one thing in the area we our leases. There's a lot of mountain lions, and uh, with ours, the the leases, the tracks, the homeowners. The people in the area, they're they're small enough where it, it's hard. You don't have like 10,000 acres yeah. where you can run lions and stuff. Yeah. But we got one rancher we lease from that has lost one horse. We have another rancher in the area that lost a horse to mountain lions. We have one that ended up moving. They had a pony ranch, and they lost one. And um, they had a trail cam picture of three mountain lions on yeah. one picture. Wow. I mean, there, there's a lot of lions, so you got to be safe, right? Yeah. You just got to – you never know what you're going into. Well, I don't – I'm not going to – So, cats are God's perfect killing machine. I don't care what size they are. It could be a house cat. It could be a bobcat. Yeah. It could yep. be a mountain lion. It could be a leopard. And I've hunted in places where all of those are in play. Right. And it doesn't matter how big they are. Every one of them is an incredible oh, yeah. athletic 
ability. Murder. Yeah. Murder yeah. cat. <laughs> Murder cat. Like, they are built to kill things. And all it takes is one to get just big enough. Mm-hmm. And then we're no longer at the top of the food chain. No. Exactly. And you got to have respect. That's, yeah. That, to me, is the biggest thing. We talked about that before yeah. with brown bears and grizzlies. It's respect. We've had clients that have been stalked by mountain lions and uh, and parallel them. And but you got to just be aware of your surroundings. So hopefully we'll get uh, my buddy Thomas Deacon and his dad um, on the podcast here in the next couple of days. But uh, they have one heck of a story about mountain lion. He hmm. pulled his gun out and that cat was 10 yards from him. And yeah, also I had another experience i don't want to spoil the story too much but Teasers. it will mm-hmm. definitely put like chills on you you know uh, so i i'm from kansas city yeah. and a property hunt in leavenworth kansas just an hour north kansas city i mean it's mm-hmm. in kansas <clears throat> i have a friend and i didn't see the mountain line but very good authority i trust the guy he was sitting uh, over a field uh, deer hunting in a stand and um, he's watching the grass just kind of start to part 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 there's a mountain line man you know, and he's he's hunted quite a bit. It wasn't a bobcat. You know, it was a mountain lion. They're so hard to see too. And yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. they always say if you see them, they've already decided not to. Not to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen I've seen three in a while. Yeah, that while I was hunting, and uh, and and the first one I saw was up at Timberline, and we were bow hunting, and uh, you know we're. You know, first of all, when you see it, that big swoop and tail, you're like, what? What is that? Because yep. you don't expect to see them. Oh, especially then at Timberline. Right. I have game cameras all up on Timberline, and it's like, there's a cat up here. Yeah, but it was weird, isn't it? So it was like, well, that was cool. But then it just, like, <laughs> vanished in the thin air. Yeah. I mean, it's like, then the rest of the afternoon, you're kind of looking behind you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're cow calling, right? So you're bugling, you're cow <laughs> yeah. calling, you're like, oh, maybe this ain't the best <laughs> idea here right now. But we never saw it after that. But it, it saw us. I mean, it just, it kind of looked at us and, like, yeah, that's and cool. Then, yeah, that's cool. It's yeah. like, yeah, and then it just vanished into right over the ridge, and it was even. Like, go ahead. So when we shed hunted one time this past year, we split up, and there were three of us. Yeah, and Bruce is like, from now on, you're gonna have a walkie-talkie because he couldn't find me for a while. Mm. And, you well, know, that's the thing. So and it's just it, that unknown. And, yeah, so oh my we'll God, go over I got my antlers that I found. And, that's my weapon. Right. So Lisa's a shed hunting machine and, and that girl can go, let me tell you. So we, we'll cover like seven to ten miles and and uh but that's the thing, right? And then but I know all the experiences I've seen, all the tracks, all the cats and and we're seeing them midday, uh right now. And in the I'm looking up in yard. trees too, because now I know like <laughs> That's good. <laughs> They're out there, but I've yeah. never, I've never seen one in person, yeah. and I would freak out. And if I'm, I did, I've right? never, I've never carried yeah. a sidearm in any of the, any of the client. You know, I'm, I don't ever any of the archery hunts or when we're shed hunting. I don't carry a sidearm on me. And um, but that this is the first. This last year was the first time where it's like, you know, maybe with the amount of cats we have, maybe we should uh, just for that protection, right? I've always and. Yeah. and a good friend of mine runs a lot of cats, and he said that if you ever get in a situation and a cat does get you and, and you know, bites you, just punch them in the nose as hard as you can, and they'll, it'll kind of stun them, and they'll open their jaw. So, um, and, and he does a lot of cats for, you know, Division of Wildlife and, and stuff like problem cats. He goes yeah. up, and he'll flip a tail to make sure it's a tom or not, or, I mean, this guy's got all kind of scars. I mean, this guy's crazy, crazier than crazy, but... Uh, but that's what 
you know, uh, but that's his thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and actually, one of his dogs got bitten a skull by a cat, and he asked his wife to to sleep on a couch so his dog could sleep in a bed with him. <laughs> so that's that's what I say. Well, it the just dog walked away after that. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean, right? But it's right. So it was, yeah, it was, it's 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 impressive them the power the cats have. Yeah, it's like my cousin Brad when we were in South Carolina. He was telling us uh, last year when he was turkey hunting, he was sitting up against the oh yeah a tree in the swamp and was him calling. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just gets blindsided, knocked over, rolls in, into the swamp. By the time he can get up, there's a bobcat also, like, picking himself up off the ground. And he puts wow. together the fact that a bobcat had been stalking his hen calling, saw something against the tree, which was Brad, and pounced and hit Brad, knocked him over. And then finally realized that it wasn't actually a turkey. It was oh my, my cousin. He was a Brad. <laughs> that's a bobcat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah, a bobcat? Right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And it knocks you over. So, it, well, uh, you're not expecting that. Well, it was like we were talking earlier. So I was in West Virginia a couple weeks ago bear hunting. And uh, we got a couple <laughs> bears on the ground for a couple guys. And, you know, I, I told you guys kind of joking. I said, I'm not really afraid of black bears now. Sure. So, you, know, you see them in that environment. But um my buddy who runs dogs over there he texted me about a week after i left he lost two dogs to a bear the following week you know and so see, yeah. you know big enough bear comes down and it doesn't oh, matter yeah. if it's a beagle yeah. they'll, they'll take them out so <laughs> it's the same thing man cats bears all that so yeah um but well that's that's a good uh got a good hour in talking oh, nice. about hunting nice. and um colorado and Got some fun. Did you say Colorado? Colorado, yeah. Colorado, there we go. <laughs> kind of like Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas. Or Illinois. Yeah. That... yeah. But, well, cool. Hey, anybody, any final thoughts or uh, anything else you want to say? Thanks for coming out and, you know, hopefully we, we can get you on some cow elks and yeah. on a goose hunt or something. Yeah, man. Well, it was so, really nice you, Brandon. Your Bruce said you volunteered to process my elk and get it packaged up for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? So nice you, man. Thanks a lot, man. Taking well, the rest of the week off. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> so we do that for him, man. So, but just yeah. a quick shout out to Brandon Wilmoth. Uh, I know he's working on some raffles for his National Wild Turkey Federation um, <laughs> project, and he needs all the help he can get. So if you guys uh, are interested in helping contribute to conservation, go ahead and give him a, a call or uh, send him a message on Facebook. <laughs> That's National awesome. Federation. National Wild Turkey Federation. Yeah. There you go. No, just uh, welcome. Well, that's what brought us together. So thankful for that. That's right. That's right. what, that's what well, organization. That's, us, but no, like, that's what well, brought. Right. Yeah, with that's Daniel what brought us with Daniel. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, and and, mm-hmm. and that's what life's about is just sharing yeah. experiences, sharing stories, and uh, uh, look forward to the next few days. And uh, we're gonna have some fun. And then, honestly, the the future. You know, yeah. just years of sharing and. And getting out and having fun. So talking about some Mississippi land. And all That's right, Mississippi things. land. Yeah. So yeah. So if anyone's uh, looking at uh, uh, doing some hunting in Mississippi or something, you know, get a hold of Daniel here through the podcast. He may have some opportunities there for you. So we're working and growing and uh, coast to coast worldwide. Coast to coast world. That's right. Coast to coast world ride. Uh, We'll make it happen. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm looking to, at a place in Washington D.C. I just don't know if there's much green space there. <laughs> um, but there's plenty of safe space. There's plenty, plenty of safe space there. That's man. right. Yeah. But, uh, no, man. So, hey, uh, thank you guys for sitting down with us, and uh, well, we're going to talk some more later this week, and so you'll hear a lot more from these guys. But thank you. No, thanks. My pleasure. There you go.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had a great time, and it's kind of the first day before the start of our hunt. Um, we, we came in a little bit late today, and um, it was just nice to sit down with some fellow hunters and talk hunting, you know, and talking about getting ready to hunt and kind of the things you need to get ready to do if you're going out west. And I'm really looking forward to hunting tomorrow. I think you guys will really like the episodes as they come out. And Bruce and Lisa are just some awesome people, and so is Brandon. So um, I hope you really enjoyed it. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, if you could give us a review, that'd really, really help us out. It helps show up in more searches. If you could also like and follow us on Facebook, that would help me out too. I run a lot of my announcements and things through my Facebook page. So that's Hunt Fish Eat Podcast on Facebook. Also on Instagram, Hunt Fish Eat Podcast. And subscribe to the podcast, whether you listen on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or whatever. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, if you want opportunities to go on hunts and do some cool stuff with me, make sure you go to patreon.com slash huntfisheat. You can jump on and be a sponsor of the show and get an opportunity to do some really, really awesome stuff. So if you want to do that or if you're interested in doing that, make sure you jump on at patreon.com slash huntfisheat. Also, go visit my sponsors, waltonsinc.com. We talked about it tonight, man. You can you can get a really, really good processing setup for just a couple hundred bucks, especially if you and a couple buddies throw in. It's so much cheaper than sending to a processor and you get your meat. You know what you're getting. So I strongly suggest people go to waltonsinc.com. That's, I use all their equipment. I use their spices, their cures. It's, it's a no-brainer. Definitely check them out. Also, clayshootingapparel.com. They do a fantastic job, make some awesome hats and fun shirts. Also, check out TrophyRidgeOutfittersLLC.com. Out here in Colorado hunting Unit 20, some big bulls, some really nice cows, big mule deer, turkeys, everything you can think of, man. If you want a good experience in the West, check out Trophy Ridge Outfitters, LLC. Mm-hmm.